Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dave Crouch, and this is Policy Talks, brought to you every month by Williamson, Inc., our Williamson County Chamber of Commerce, and got a bright-eyed crowd here at Columbia State Community College this morning, and uh, it's a beautiful day on the campus. You'll have to, you need to come and see it if you haven't seen it yet, but uh, Columbia State's a, a real asset to our uh, community and to this program, and we appreciate their hospitality and having us here. Also, uh, appreciate Creed Henderson uh, bringing WCTV here to uh, put us on the air. Uh, not live this morning, but uh, we will be on the air this afternoon at 2 and again at 7 tonight. So, um, football season is uh, interrupting our live broadcast uh, for a month or so here, it looks like. Also, WAKM, Tom Lawrence and his crew getting us on WAKM, and we appreciate the listeners out there that are listening to us there this morning. Our guest this morning, the Commissioner of the Department of Tourism for the State of Tennessee, Mr. Mark Ezell. Mark, we're thrilled to have you with us here this morning. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be here in Williamson County, good. which is home, home Nashville, Williamson County. All right. And along with him, we have Marlene Haley, or Maureen, <laughs> wow, Dave, Maureen Haley Thornton, the uh, CEO of our Williamson County uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau, I've had to get that right, uh, also called Visit Franklin. So if I got that right, uh, don't correct me, but uh, keep me straight, Maureen. Commissioner, you've uh, uh, been a milkman most of your life um, and uh, part of the Purity Dairy family for uh, your entire life until what, three years ago. And uh, the uh, tell us a little bit about running a, a dairy and uh, how you come up with things like Got Milk campaigns and that sort of thing. Well, it was really an honor to, uh, Purity was a family business for almost 80 years. Um, super fun to get to work for your grandfather for many years and then your father uh, all the way through um, the time. We sold at the end of almost 2000, and I continued to stay because I love being in the milk business. I ran not only Purity, but a number of companies for Dean Foods. So, been very blessed that we're in Purity country and that we've had a whole lot of Purity lovers. Uh, we were fortunate enough because of such great consumer loyalty to have a, a top 10 market share dairy milk and ice cream company in the nation. And really, we had a terrific team. You worked hard on making great products. My grandfather used to say, if you make great products, you can have a great brand. And I've been able to see that translate as I came into tourism. So uh, a, great, a great time for us. And I spent 40 years in and thought I'd probably stay in the milk business. This was a different job for me than I had ever anticipated, but one I'm surely enjoying. That's great. Maureen, uh, you're a University of Miami alum and uh, took a, you know the word, securitist path uh, to Williamson County. And uh, as I uh, trolled you on uh, the internet, uh, discovered you spent quite a bit of time in Canada uh, representing California and a few other destinations, yeah. Okay, and uh, and then spent four or five years down in Houston with their uh, Convention Visitors Bureau there. 
Uh, why Williamson County? What attracted you to the job here? Sure. Well, first I have to say thank you to Commissioner Ezell for being here and also a shout out because as I was saying when we walked in, one of the hardest working people in the business and really appreciate the fact that he brings a business background to our industry. Um, part of what brought me to Williamson County was leadership like Commissioner Ezell, like Mayor Moore, like Mayor Anderson. And in the interview process, I was just incredibly um, impressed by the collaboration and the forward thinking and planning. And it's, just, it's an exciting place to be a part of. And I've got two young kids, so it's also a really um, great place for us to be raising a family. We should mention that you're the mother of a four-month-old and a two-year-old. I am. It's my two-year-old's birthday today. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> and... Uh, Got to be a, uh, a hard-working woman, I, that's all I can say. Uh, Mark, you're uh, uh, yeah, obviously from the uh, milk background. You're a Lipscomb grad right here in Tennessee. Um, we have a few mutual friends from those days, and uh, you were a little uh, a ways behind me. We couldn't have fraternities back then, but we had social clubs at Lipscomb, and uh, Tawfai is near and dear to your heart and mine, so uh, got a lot of dear friends that uh, were part of that experience. We'll skip those stories. Yes. Oh, come on. That's right. <laughs> Mark uh, took a cowboy show that was pretty rough when I left Lipscomb, and uh, he turned it into a major production in Lipscomb that has, is still going on every year. And uh, there was an ulterior motive. We had, uh, there were 45 in our club, and 27 of them could play musical instruments, and I couldn't, but the number of girls that would come and watch them play was certainly of interest to me. So we thought we'd take that show and put it on the road. And um, later on, I had the, uh, the privilege of getting to watch my daughter be one of our friends in the Tough High Cowboy show. That same year, Kelsey Ballerini was one of the friends on the show. And of course, uh, Thomas Rhett was in Tough High. And so all that really grew into, we were not very good. <laughs> Those 27 were all amateurs, but uh, really those were fun times. We had some friends that were pretty good at it, though. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. The, um, tell me why you think uh, the governor chose you as commissioner, Mark. Well, it was a, it was a surprise. Um, we, I had served as uh, the governor and I had been very involved in a lot of philanthropy together. Um, both of us were running family businesses, third-generation family businesses. We're both seventh-generation Middle Tennesseans. And so I was serving on his board when he came in one day and said, I'm, I'm going to run for office. And I, my, I've told this story a few times, but I said, I didn't know Ferndale has a city council. And that was literally my best thinking. Um, and he said, no, he said, I'm going to run for governor. Um, and to then watch his journey... I even was on record and said, I think that's a terrible idea. Uh, but to watch his journey, especially running against, there were already several candidates who were in the field that had a lot more political experience. What I knew is that his desire was to get in as a businessman, continue the great things that were being done in Tennessee, and a lot of great things have been done, and then to make sure that government wasn't too involved. Uh, in the way we run our lives. And so that was attractive to me, and that was about to be my time at the end. I didn't know much about tourism, and so I had a real reluctance to do tourism. I'd done a lot of branding, a lot of business building, and communicated that to him. And he had done some research and said, if you're, 
if the second leading industry, which tourism is, is represented by someone who is close to the governor, then you get an audience with the governor on a regular basis, and that will help the industry. And I actually did a little research, talked to some former commissioners, and they all agreed. And, um, and so, you know, I'll tell in a minute, but my conversion about the power of tourism has been very real. And it's been fun then for me to go, wait a minute, it's not tourism's just nice, because that's kind of how I would have felt as a businessman, grateful for tourism, you know, I'm glad it's here. Now, the governor knows I'm a data guy. I was a data guy for his team, for our team. The data on tourism is overwhelming, and it's so fun to get to sell that. And we got powerhouses like the folks here in Williamson County and Maureen that make it a job. The industry is terrific, and I'll talk more about that later. Maureen, he uh, uh, happened to mention when I was talking to him earlier this week that uh, we have a rock star here in Williamson County in the business, and uh, he's uh, got you up there on a pedestal, so you've got a, a high... That's generous of you to say. I appreciate it. I'll, I strive to live up to that. We, we expect you to, so... Uh, now, his grandfather uh, was quoted in one of the bios I looked at, in order, and you've already alluded to it, Mark, but in order to have a great brand, you have to have great products. Um, I think both of you probably think your products are about as good as they get. Is that not true for you, Maureen? We have an incredible place here, and our place is our product. Um, assets like our restaurants, like our historical sites, our beautiful downtown Main Street, our product is really top-notch. And there's growth and development happening, and I think it's important for us as an organization to have a voice in that because we want to continue to have the kind of product that sings to the kind of place we are. So, yes, we do, and yes, we continue to grow that. That might have had something to do with your decision to come here. Mark, uh, same question for the state. Now, um, I guess I've always, I grew up pretty much in the state of Tennessee, and I knew about all these things that we have, but it never just really, I never looked at them as a whole. It was just, okay, let's go to the Smokies or let's go to whatever. Uh, last night, I did spend a little time in the uh, digital um, visitor's guide that's out there for the state of Tennessee. 168 pages. I was going to print it off, and then it's very colorful, and I didn't think I could afford all the uh, ink cartridges to print it. But uh, <laughs> the uh, I was amazed. Uh, 168 pages, and there on most pages there were four, six, eight different venues, different things to see. Um, so I was kind of blown away when you look at the entire picture. But what? Um, I guess starting in East Tennessee, tell us what brings people to Tennessee the most and how all this fits together, if you will. Well, it's a good question. And again, uh, I was a workaholic milkman who went with his wife to the beach. So my experience in uh, being in a lot of places in Tennessee before three and a half years ago, if you wasn't where we sold milk and ice cream, which was mostly Middle Tennessee, Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, then I hadn't been there. And so it has been so fun, Dave. Um, and for us, and again, I don't know how to do anything really strategically without thinking of it as like the business of tourism. So it's the business of tourism in Tennessee. And what 
I can tell you is the first thing we needed to do was eliminate the distractions. The distractions are we don't have sand and we don't have casinos. So our goal after the first six months was to become the best non-beach tourism state in America. When you take away those two things, and there's a group that likes beaches and casinos, when you take away those and then you start doing the diagnostics and looking at the quality of assets that Tennessee has, the diversity of assets, the a perfect example is look at our Civil War sites and look at our U.S. Civil Rights Trail sites. Again, second best, third or fourth best. You just look at uh, the music side and the ability to differentiate around music. You look at the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. It's not just the largest. It's almost three times larger than the second largest in the nation. And so uh, whether you've got the Mississippi River and you've got Graceland and all the pieces, the Memphis music that they bring, and I, I love their music, so I've been there a lot of times uh, to uh, enjoy that. You've got Music City, and I knew a lot about Nashville, and I knew a lot about Middle Tennessee, but when you go to Sevier County, Sevier County per population probably has the highest, I would say, Savannah. There's a couple of other places that have similar numbers for their population to their visitation. It's, it's stunning. Um, and what they do in that world, and I wouldn't have known much about that. Yes, Dollywood and some of the ones that we would recognize, but the, the, the billions of dollars that they bring in for tourism. So the asset base is phenomenal. We've got uh, family entertainment, we've got historical values, we've got culinary, and what's so exciting is I did a thing uh, a few months, uh, it was probably a year ago, because there was a lot of attention. Anybody heard anything about the electric uh, car business that's been put in Middle Tennessee or in Tennessee? Well, would you know that that is less money than the leisure and hospitality business has put in in the last five years? Hmm. It's just that Andy Marshall doesn't get quite the headline when he reinvests in yet another restaurant. Right. And so over $10 billion in private investment has taken place. That's what's so exciting. I mean, I'm, I am known to be a salesman, but it is so easy to be talking and be bullish. The assets that are coming out of Williamson County, I mean, the Franklin Amphitheater, you go in there, the amenities for the artists are world class. Maybe like not anybody around or other assets that are being done. So it's really easy. I could, I could talk about a lot of them, but what's amazing and, and, and our economic impact is next week that we get to report, what you're going to see is our diversity um, has played through the pandemic so strong, and it's because we've got great tourism efforts all throughout Tennessee. It's really fun. If you can't tell, I get excited. It, uh, it's uh, it's pretty was, easy to be excited. I was a little concerned about this morning because I don't know that much about the tourism industry, I, like I said. And I talked to him for about 20 minutes the other day. I went, this is going to be easy because <laughs> he's on fire. And uh, it is fun to hear him uh, get going. So the, uh, it's just um, you're going to release a lot of numbers Tuesday. And I almost suggested we wait till next Friday to do this program, but uh, can you give us a hint of 
what we're going to see. Yeah, and I think what I would, one of the conversion processes is what tourism means in Tennessee. So would you know that Tennessee has the highest sales tax of any state in America? Oh, that, you, you can't discuss that. We'd swap that in a minute for no, pro, for no income tax. And what it really means for a tourist industry, we get more from a visitor than any state in America. We get more when they come. And again, I had not as a milkman thought a lot about this, going into this, but we don't educate them. And that's about half the expense that a government has. We don't have to take care of their health care. Outside of roads, almost all of the infrastructure is private. Uh, you might have a little security, one could argue. But what's great is that um, you've, got, you've got gas stations and restaurants and attractions and hotels, which is the infrastructure that you need really to take care of a visitor. It's all private, y'all. And we, get, we are a 7% investor on everything that happens in the leisure and hospitality business. And I was trying to convince a legislator, my first, and speaking of, you got great legislation, le legislators here. I know Representative Whitson's here, Leader Johnson. I mean, they are, they believe in tourism. But I was talking in my first four months, and I said, hey, I've got this report. It's by U.S. Travel. says we're worth a billion dollars. And he said, stop it right there. I don't believe you. I thought, oh, man, this is a problem. I said, why? And he said, well, your report is from U.S. Travel about travel. I have a problem with that. And I thought, well, that makes sense that someone would question that. So we went to the Department of Revenue. Representative Whitson, you believe everything that comes out of the Department of Revenue, don't you? Because they count the armored trucks that create the budget. And I said, could y'all help us? Could you, uh, and I went to the Governor Lee, and we talked with Commissioner Jaragano, and he said, sure, we can run down all the leisure and hospitality tax uh, operations, and we can see what those industries, eating and drinking, hotels, and uh, amusements and attractions are literally bringing into our state budget. I said, well, this report's got it at about one, two, and is up about 6%. And it's more of travel. It's got... You know, it doesn't take in all the restaurants. The, the, the two reports are different. And he came back and he said, well, it's not 1.2, it's 1.3 billion. And you're up 6.7%. And so now when we talk to legislators and anybody, we take the Department of Revenue. And honestly, how many of you are in the hospitality business, leisure and hospitality? Y'all should be able to walk through a neighborhood and just go, you're welcome. And you're welcome. <laughs> and you're welcome. Because you think about $1.3 billion, half that goes to education. Our budget is 30 or 40 million of that. I want to hit that number again. State took in from leisure and hospitality. We're not responsible for a lot of it. Rest, you know, a McDonald's gets served by a resident. But we took out 30 million and the rest of that billion plus dollars. And then the pandemic happened and they lost $303 million in 2020. And the legislators naturally said, I need my money back. Because half that, 47%, goes to education. And we get to talk about how those recoveries have been uh, next week. 
what I can tell you is because of the great industry, because of leadership like the folks here at Visit Franklin and others, we have stormed back and our leisure business is on fire and we don't even have our international business back at a, at a noticeable level. So it is an exciting time and I'm so glad I get to represent tourism with that billion we, you know, we, it's it's a lot, a lot of money. It's going to be going to be more than one point three. Isn't it refreshing having a data-driven businessman uh, in charge of a uh, big section of our state government? That's great, Marine. Same question for Williamson County. Uh, what about the economic impact to our county specifically? Yeah, so the number we like to talk about, and this is based on 2020, the heart of the pandemic, is we um, the money that we generate in um, tax revenue saves individual households in 2020 $874 a year. And that's in arguably the worst year of our industry's history. And so while I haven't seen the numbers that we're going to get next week, I am um, incredibly sure that they're going to be better than they were in 2020 for 2021. And so it's, you know, I, I wish we could walk around saying thank you, but we are trying to make sure that people see and understand and, and know that it's real money. That's one of my favorite things that Commissioner has ever done. I think early on I saw him up on the stage reminding people, sometimes you got to whisper it, sometimes you got to shout it. And I think we're getting to a place where we really want to shout the value of tourism and what it actually saves households. And how much does your department cost us as taxpayers in Williamson County? We were talking about that a little bit before. So the way that our budget is funded, we're uh, 501c6, we get public and private dollars. Largely right now is the public piece, hotel occupancy tax. Williamson County collects 4% occupancy tax of the 17% on all hotels. We get 1% of that. So about, whatever, 33% of the money that we are helping to generate, we hold on to. And then we get a little piece from City of Franklin, same thing. We get about 33% of what we generate. So we're essentially self-funding because we're doing the work to bring those dollars in. So um, you're not costing us uh, any at all, it sounds like. Uh, you're, you're making us money. That's, that's our goal. So if uh, Mayor Moore and Mayor Anderson give you more money, can you generate more uh, revenue coming into the county? Absolutely. Our hotels have made an incredible recovery to 2019, but they're not 100% full. And that is a partnership thing between working with our hotels to give them data and information to make smart decisions about how they're bringing in and pricing groups. But also, if we had more resources and more manpower, we could be out selling more and there's rooms to fill. So yes, is the short answer. Right. Good. And I would just add that, you know, I'm so grateful for what the legislature has allowed us to do. Um, it's really fun. <laughs> the first six weeks of, of my job, I would just call, you know, I, I, back then it was more call Bill than the governor, but it was like, and it, this was even before we got started, you're not going to believe this data. I mean, we, we need to be spending more money. You know, we, did you know we can take this and turn that into that? And, um, and, and the department had done a great job. We got a, a really talented team. That's another bias I had, Dave. You know, I'm going to go into the government, you know, and I wish those people could work some. <laughs> you know, oh, my goodness. Mayor, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, just didn't know how dedicated and hardworking people are 
in those public service roles. And, um, and we've got a great team that was doing good things, but the budget had not increased in five years. And, and when you've got the asset potential that we did, it was a pretty easy sell to the governor, and then the legislature came along. We got to use CARES Act. We're about to use ARPA funds uh, that the Financial Stimulus Accountability Group. We're going to be giving more money in our state's history to our DMOs for them to leverage what they are already doing. They have to, it's on top of, it's transformational. When you're a place like Williamson County, you can go to Canada. Um, and other places where we can get more Canadian visitors. Um, but I'm so proud of what the DMOs have done and their model. What's a DMO? Uh, sorry, Destination Marketing Organization, which is what they are. And they get to uh, eat what they, what they earn or what they catch. And whereas the state government has a kind of a salary. We're, um, and I like commission. And most of them are on commission to where when they grow their hotel tax, they have more money to spend, and then they do more. Uh, we hadn't fixed that in our model, but the governor and the legislature have given us more money and said, now go get more done. And I think we'll see that in the results. Great. That's good. Specifically, um, you know, when I think of tourism, and, and I'll speak for myself here, but uh, in Tennessee, I, I always think of Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, and I just think that's it. Okay, I, I don't think about. I mean, yeah, we have the uh, the bicycles going around downtown, the bar bicycle bars and things, but uh, the music city scene. But where, what, what's generating the most business for the state of Tennessee, Mark? The uh, is it that? Is it? Um, I mean, I'll let you tell us. But yeah, well, and our department has been. Um, with any branding, you work on your things that differentiate you. Uh, Puckett's is a special place because they've got that music scene, they've got history, they've got lots of things as well as the local kind of vibe that they promote. And, and you would have food. you would have various things and fantastic food, obviously. So for us, our big mu our big differentiator is music. We're home of seven music genres. We have the Tennessee Music Pathways that Commissioner Triplett got started. Uh, a lot of great things are getting done. What the pandemic showed is our outdoor strength because the nation was down, um, the nation was down 44% in travel spending in 2020. We were down 31. Y'all, that's a big difference. That's 12 points, 13 points of difference. And we would say it's because our lakes and our streams. It's why we're getting to create the Bill Dance Signature Lakes. You've got Bill Dance. He's the world's best bass fisherman. We are getting his name to start a program, especially in 22 of our distressed counties. We're going to become the Robert Trent Jones version of golf, which I think is amazing branding that Alabama has done. We're going to do that in the fishing business. Would you know that one out of every seven Tennesseans has a fishing license in 2020. That's a million fishing license. I thought it was a misprint. Thought we had an extra zero in there. I'm sorry, did you say one out of every seven, not 70? And so we get really excited about what we're gonna do. What we wanna do, what's important for those communities to learn how to do and why 
visit Franklin and Williamson County does such a great job that they are still learning and we're going to teach them. I don't want Jim and Bill to come and fish a lake in a rural county and go home with their sack lunch and they never spend a penny in that county. We want their money. We want their sales tax that can go to the general fund. We want their lodging eventually so that we can create enough. So teaching those folks how to create commerce with that visitor, and uh, that's what we're going to, first we're going to draw them to the lake, and then we're going to teach them how to put more restaurants around the lake or eventually a lodge around that lake that takes advantage of their money because it's the 7% the state wants, but honestly with a lot of those communities, I care more about what they're going to get for that community because they're distressed or at risk. Okay, Maureen, uh, conveying that over to the county level, the largest body of water I can think of in Williamson County is the Franklin City Reservoir. Uh, <laughs> do you think we could get the mayor to stock that reservoir and uh, let us start fishing over there? <laughs> well, we could ask. I don't know if that's exactly where we, uh, I don't know if we're Bill Dance quality there, but. <laughs> <laughs> the. Uh, We've, we've got quite a bit of outdoor uh, activities going on here. Uh, just, I don't know if you can call the Natchez Trace an outdoor activity, but I mean, you see all the mo motorcycles going up and down, it's certainly outdoor. And uh, how do we capture some of that and, and keep them here overnight? Yeah, um, that's a great question and one that we are continuing to work on too. And it's a matter of, um, creating the awareness of what there is to do beyond the thing that they've come for. So the first piece is getting them to come in the first place, right? So the Natchez Trace and the motorcycles is a great example. We're really fortunate at the end of the Natchez Trace, you sort of end up in Leaper's Fork. You have landed in a hamlet of charm and you almost can't not go to a restaurant or, or shop or experience that there. But what we're doing is part of our role as a destination marketing organization is adding management into that. And so that gets into how do you help visitors with wayfinding, with resources to know what is where and when you're here in real time, how to get there, what to do, where to spend your money. Um, and so that's a, a big focus for us is not only marketing on what there is to do and why you should come in the first place, but once you're here, helping you get around. Great. Mark, uh, asking the last question a little differently, maybe I'll get an answer uh, that I'm looking for. The, uh, <laughs> uh, but let's say Pitt, East Tennessee against Middle Tennessee against West Tennessee. <laughs> Who's generating the most revenue from tourist do dollars? Uh, not that that's a political question or anything, but... Uh. Well, uh, what, I, what I did not realize is, and especially during the pandemic, the strength of East Tennessee. Um, what they have done around... Well, the National Park five years ago was doing 9 million people, or maybe seven years ago, 9 million people. They did 14 million people last year. I mean, do the math. You've got 5 million people, and Tennessee gets about 70% of that group versus North Carolina... You do the math on five million people coming and spending time in, you know, they got to get there through one little road that takes you through Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. It's a little like a beach road, um, and and we're working on roads as an option because that traffic is certainly a, a, a bit an impediment. And to see the growth that that group has done during the pandemic these last two years, 
Um, in fact, I started taking commissioners and eventually the governor and the first lady for presentations because I they didn't believe me. <laughs> they were going, I'm sorry, you, you can't have that kind of growth on top of that kind of growth. And I said, yes, sir, you can. And I'm going to have Mayor uh, the Mayor Waters make the presentation and you'll see the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars extra coming out of one little bitty county. Um, during the pandemic. So you had some remarkable growth. Their family entertainment and their outdoor side is really, really strong. And I know it's a, it's a big priority for Marine that in Middle Tennessee, one could, and, and even a little bit in West Tennessee, one could say we are still family entertainment light. Um, yeah, we had a theme park that was drawing a couple of million people uh, a long time ago, and, and there are there are still opportunities, and what's great is we got some people and some visionaries that are working on how do I create more options in family um, and family opportunities. And it takes money, it takes an investment uh, of private side to come alongside somebody. But we're, I, I believe there's the Dollywood's going to be back at three, three and a half million people at Dollywood, and you don't have anything else like that in Tennessee. And, and we believe there's probably the ability to do that in some of the markets, don't we? Um, here, I'll well, I, might just, I might just add on that, that the thing that's beautiful about that is not only the tourism revenue that it brings in, but the asset it provides for residents too. Williamson County, as I mentioned, part of the reason we moved here is we have a young family. There's a lot of young families here and adding something like that not only has the opportunity to draw in tourism and revenue, but it has an opportunity to provide an amenity for the families that live here, continuing to make us a, a great place to live. We've been working really closely with the chamber on these quality of life assets, um, and, and I think it's a, a real opportunity. Hold, hold on to the mic a minute there. Uh, so, Maureen, if, if it was Christmas and you could have anything you want in Williamson County, what would it be that yes. we don't have? Um, well, there's a couple of things I would want. I, I would want a family-friendly attraction that could look a lot of different ways. It could be a family-friendly resort product. It could be a, a museum. Um, something like that, I think, is right for our county. We may not be an amusement park kind of place per se, but maybe, you know, it sort of would depend a little bit. So that would be high on the list. And the other one would be a convention center. We have a 28,000-square-foot convention center in Cool Springs which is great to have, but certainly much less than what we as a county need or frankly deserve. So I think that, that if I was checking off my Christmas list, I'd put those two real high at the top. Mark, same question for the state. If you could have anything that we don't have, what, what would it be? Well, it would be in Middle and West, um, there are opportunities for, you know, you have two aquariums in East Tennessee. You have none in Middle and West. You have one major, major theme park. And I, I don't mean there aren't a lot of uh, museums and other opportunities in Middle Tennessee, because there are. But when, when we're talking about a million, two million kinds of places, and, and I'm interested in, in trying to find those special moments, because again, we could draw a lot from Mississippi, Arkansas. You can draw a lot from Alabama. Um, or even some parts of Kentucky. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking for those things that can be the family side because we already have a lot of 
wonderful outdoor assets, and we're working on an outdoor recreation for tourism piece that we're growing, and Bill Dance is our first signature piece of that. And we've already got music, pilgrimage, I mean, you know, the, the amphitheater, a lot of those things that we keep on building out those assets. But the family side is probably the opportunity, we believe, that will be well-received by our resident community and will be, you know, the 7% is what we're chasing. And, and we know that can make a lot of money. And it creates a lot of jobs. Um, you mentioned um, when we were talking earlier this week, uh, rural tourism is being a focus that uh, the governor's interested in. Um, what, what do you see there as opportunities, and, and how is that going? Well, I, again, I had the, the benefit or the blessing of watching Bill the candidate um, travel you know, for two years, um, and we'd get a report some, some weeks, and we'd say, how many came to that? And he said, seven. And we're hoping he said 70. No, it was seven. But, man, I was in a distressed county, and I met this family, and we need to do more for them. And so you just saw he just got on fire during the campaign about the distressed and at risk. And so it was not coincidental that on day one, his executive order number one is every one of the 23 departments will report every quarter about what you're doing in the distressed and at risk counties. Well, I had an advantage. So on day two, we presented a proposal to create the Office of Rural Outreach and Tourism dedicated directly to distress and at risk. Took us, we had the pandemic, and so it took us a little extra time to get funded. So they have their own money for those 40 plus counties. And it is the missional part of what we're getting to do. These six counties drive about 75%. So when we're driving return on investment for taxpayer dollars and how you're getting your money back and how we're creating that one point something billion dollars, we help the big guys. But the missional work is getting to work with these county mayors. I don't know that there's anything harder than being a county mayor of a distressed county because you are under-resourced and you are under-financed. And the last thing you're doing Actually, one of the last things you're doing is you're collecting any money from a visitor spend. And so getting to go into those communities and help them realize that you know one of your problems with your economic model is you're not getting any money from the visitor. It's too much burden, property taxes and other things on the resident. So we've started a number of programs. One, so we started a Google program. So Google goes into um, many of these communities <laughs> and they evaluate, do you know that many of those communities, 50% of their listings were incorrect? So a restaurant would show up on somebody's phone. It'd been out of business for four years. Why? Because they don't have anybody working on tourism. Nobody had worked on eliminating a list of people. Well, that discourages a visitor and helping them get visitor ready. And so we've been bringing in educational programs with the end result is how do we teach them how to get an occupancy tax where they're creating their own money? We still believe government will never be the answer. So how do we help them create their own visitor spending tax and create, um, and now with Airbnbs and short-term rentals, most all those counties have got, we, we had a county mayor the other day have a, he said, Commissioner, you'll be proud of me. I caught, I found 11, 111 businesses that are short-term rentals in my county. 
They don't have a hotel, but they got houseboats. And they got a nice houseboat business, and he's going to create an occupancy tax. It'll generate him more than $100,000 a year. First thing he'll do is hire a full-time tourism person, create a tourism council, of which you're really blessed to have great leadership in your tourism council, and then them generate money so that they're doing it on their own. And then we'll bring in dollars to help assist that. But don't we want them doing it on their own long-term? Sure. So. I was, uh, I think it's in the Tennessean this morning. Uh, I noticed that the Rhythm and Blues Museum is going to a little town in Mississippi by the name of Marks, Mississippi, a town of about 2,000 people. And I went, well, that's a rural tourism asset uh, to take a, a small town like that. I, you know, drive through some of these small towns in Tennessee and wish you could put a business there because there are a lot of empty buildings. But uh, anyway, those sorts of things would work well. Uh, curveball for Mark before we go back to Maureen in just a minute. But uh, the uh, Titans are wanting to build uh, an enclosed stadium. Uh, and since you're data-driven, I'm sure you've looked at the data. I have. And you can tell us, is that a good investment? Yeah, it's, a, it's an easy decision for the tourism guy. Um, <laughs> why? Because Tennessee doesn't have a dome stadium. The fact that it's in Nashville gets a lot of attention. Y'all, what we need is in a place that takes more advantage of the music industry than arguably any state in America. Yeah, California's got some stuff and New York's got some stuff. But in Nashville, and I would argue in all of Tennessee, what do you want that dome stadium is? Because we can have a lot of people spend a lot of money in the off seasons. And so when I run the math from our end, again, I, I want to I stay in my lane. Uh, but for me, that the state's 7% on the revenue that can be generated. Super Bowls, yes, but they don't happen real often. We're talking about all the events that can move from not a possibility when you're in November and December and January and February to be in the state of Tennessee. Suddenly, you're now in the state of Tennessee. And you're in Nashville, which has 65,000 hotel rooms. So when you've got, and that's not even touching the rest of Middle Tennessee, so when you've got the supply side ready to be able to take care of crowds, I mean, I, I, I look forward to, you know, could there be one-week residencies where you're selling 50,000 seats in a place? Nobody could pull that off better than Music City and the community around it. So uh, I'm, I happen to be a very big fan of that dome stadium. Yes, it's good for the Titans, but more importantly, it's good for the state of Tennessee. And I think the math piece on Tennessee makes a lot of sense. City numbers are, you know, a little more of a challenge. But when you get 7% of that number, and then you've got the ability to drive some occupancy tax for those communities, they, I know it's a lot of money, but there's a return factor that's coming out of that that's significant. Maureen, similar question for you. Uh, we first met on a trip down to Dallas that the chamber took about this time last year. And uh, we saw an athletic facility down there, uh, primarily set up, I think, for youth sports. Um, would something like that pay for itself here in Williamson County? 
Yeah, I mean, something Let's like... Describe it for our audience, what we saw down there. Sure, that's, this feels like a pop quiz. Um, it was um, in Frisco, I believe. It was a soccer... Are you talking about the soccer stadium? Uh, soccer stadium, I forget how many seats were in it, a pretty good number of seats, um, and some practice facilities. And I think what was magical about that place that we would want to do too is that it has multiple tenants, so there's multiple people benefiting from the investment. And I think for us, the county has done such a great job investing in schools and leveraging fields for schools that there could be some magic where the you know, countywide championships are played at a facility like this or you know, various things like that. Um, it, it, could, it could certainly have a good return for us. We have a very healthy um, percentage of youth sports coming to Williamson County currently um, in um, fields that are sort of dispersed. And um, if we had a facility, that's another one of those examples of we, we could bring in more if we had a place to put them, a proper place to put them. You know, Decatur, Alabama's got one uh, facility like that that uh, I spent a few Saturdays at when uh, my son was, uh, interestingly enough, playing, uh, what are the discs? Frisbee, frisbee golf, and uh, not golf. Thank you. Uh, I I didn't have that in my notes, so <laughs> thank you, Brandy. The uh, uh, I didn't have that in my notes, but we, like I said, we spent a few afternoons, Saturday afternoons there, at a facility sort of like the one in in Frisco, but uh, not as fancy, probably. But. Well, and I think it goes back to the point that you were making. It's not only about the facility and the money that the facility brings in. It's also about all the things that those people do when they come in. They're going to go eat in restaurants. They're going to stay in hotels. They're going to shop in our businesses. And so um, it's it would be about doing the math on all of the economic impact around it, not just the facility itself. Okay. The Civil War tour tourism, um, is that what we call it now? There's a... Um, probably another phrase for it, but uh, how important, how much business does that bring to the city of Franklin in this area? Yeah, it's incredibly important to us. We have some gorgeous sites that are incredibly well-maintained where the story is really vibrant. And I think, you know, you asked about, do we still call it civil war tourism? Because there's some negative connotations around those things. And what I love the most, one of the things that's so great about this county that I said about the leadership we are so fortunate to have the folks at the Battle of Franklin Trust, and particularly Eric Jacobson, who is passionate about telling a factual story, but in the right context and bringing it continually relevant to modern times. And so I think that's part of what keeps our Civil War history, um, our Civil War tourism vibrant, is it's not just on the shelf back in 1860, whatever years this happened. It's really, this matters because we learned X, Y, Z from it, or we didn't learn X, Y, Z from it, and we're dealing with that now. And I think that's why people are coming to visit and experience it here, because we're telling a really rich story about it. That's great. The, um, we've got a few minutes for questions, comments from the audience, that sort of thing. Um, Mr. Mayor, I do have to compliment the city of Franklin for handling the, uh, the controversy a couple of years ago about Chip, the statue on the square. Um, any thoughts about uh, where we need to go with that any further? Is it, uh, is it kind of balanced the, the scales, you might say? No, I think there's still a lot of the fuller story that needs to be told. There's a lot more than 
just the U.S. Colored Troop statue and those plaques that are around the uh, square. So I think that's something we'll see moving forward. Uh, you know, I, I do have some questions uh, this morning, and I think uh, the as <clears throat> president of Maureen's board, uh, you know, we're always looking at our want list, and our want list is a larger convention center. Uh, also, uh, maybe uh, something to do with youth sports uh, complex or something of this nature. Um, and my question would be to the commissioner, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm impressed with how little, small your budget is. How can you work with Commissioner McWhorter to help um, communities or counties um, fulfill some of those other needs that we have in our community, you know, we're stretched as far as our property tax and so on and so forth. But are there some uh, uh, imaginative ways you can work with uh, Commissioner McWhorter to help us bring some of those type of facilities? I mean, billions of dollars for Blue Oval, uh, but these other things, as you point out, are guaranteed seven percent return. It's a good question, Mayor. I would expect that from a good leader like you, and I am a big fan of your of your mayor um, I can tell you that we have those discussions um, uh, Deputy Governor Ely Governor Lee uh, before Commissioner Roth but now with uh, Stewart coming back in as our commissioner um, and and that all of us got to come in together as business people and economic development has primarily the last you know many years been focused on um, headquarters and manufacturing and call center kinds of places, they make sense because they can bring in jobs. And if you put a, a leisure or hospitality asset into that model, it doesn't generate the kind of incentive funds that others do. First of all, some of the wage rates are not as attractive as some of the manufacturing jobs and others. And so we continue to have those discussions. Um, We've, we have got one project that has not come out of the ground yet that was a little bit of our first venture, and that was two years ago where we went to a community and knew that the leisure and hospitality asset could create economic development in that community around those eight or nine counties. So our priority, and when it gets up, it's going to generate hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that will come and we think we will be able to show the model is that private enterprise built around it and that community really grew. It's a harder question when we come into the big communities and you know Blue Oval to me was about a mega site that was ready to house the biggest uh, the biggest job creation in our state's history and just like the Titan Stadium just happens to be the place you put a dome stadium uh, because the dome stadium is what it represents. So we are open to those kinds of things, but they're going to be chasing the economic model for a community, probably prioritizing those less economically blessed communities first. Uh, but it is discussions that we're starting to have and say, what could the state's role be? There are states that offer some leisure and hospitality uh, models pretty aggressively, uh, Kentucky, Georgia, Arkansas. I, I might argue when I've done the math on it, they're too aggressive. Uh, 
they're, they're very, very large tax incentives for all of those areas, and they've got commitments. I think com Kentucky's commitments in the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars remaining on leisure and hospitality assets. So we're studying a lot of the data on it, Mayor, and, and are trying to find how can we help a community with a asset that they can't do themselves and that no one else has close by that we know can really be revenue generating. And, um, and then the legislature would obviously have to be a key part of that process. Um, so it, it's on the list. That's a political, sounds a little political in the answer. It's on the list and we're having those discussions and we believe there's the ability to jump in and help we just hadn't figured out what that can look like to be responsible. Rick Graham, former mayor of Spring Hill, now with Columbia State Community College. Uh, you got a question, Rick? Stand up. Show your face. <laughs> Thank you. First, I want to say, Commissioner, welcome to uh, Columbia State Community College. Glad to have you. Uh, I'm going to uh, go back to my mayor days and uh, voice something. It's maybe more of a Sam question, too. Uh, you mentioned about the one of the revenue streams for municipalities is the hotel tourism tax. And one of the frustrating things, for, excuse me, for me was, you know, where Spring Hill, we were lucky to get a 3% because everything has to run through the state house. And then Columbia would have five, Franklin would have five. Have we thought about a uniform tax that would cover the whole state where they didn't even have to go and, and get these kind of permissions? It's a great question. It was a big priority for us, um, and I have an answer, um, and we've made significant progress. Uh, hospitality TN, in fact, I think this happened under your leadership, um, tackled that huge bear of occupancy tax throughout the, the state. Um, and what they came up with and what the legislature passed, I gotta tell you, as a businessman, I was thrilled to see them navigate. What do you do when somebody's at eight and 10, somebody's at two, and none of the eights and tens wanna to go to four or six, and the twos wanna to go to higher, and how do you get that done? Well, I thought what they came up with was, was really beautiful, um, and I'm, I'm so proud that the legislature approved what they recommended. And what they recommended was, first of all, where you are, you get to stay. And the grandfathering of that suddenly made it uh, uh, tolerable for all the communities who wanted to be where they were. And then second, if you're below 4%, you have the ability as a city or a county to go up to 4% no longer needing to go through the legislature for that one particular place. So we've been on a mission. We was in a distressed county the other day getting to, to do the final touches with that city and county mayor. Both of them are going to 4%. So that county's gonna go from zero, it's a distressed county, to 8% in that town of X and 4% around that town. So we are really, really thrilled with that, and we cannot be part of lobbying uh, in our department, but we've got a playbook, and it says, start with creation of your own money. And now the law also said every bit of, the, every bit of that extra has got to go to tourism. You can't put it in the general fund. 
And that's why it's important because those folks need the money to start being with a group who's going to build that money to eat what you keep. If you eat what you, what you catch, then you're going to go catch more. If that's all you eat, you're going to be driven more to do that. So we're very thrilled. We've probably got 17 or 18 counties that are not at 4%. We're going to have conversations with all of them. And then we got a number of cities that are not 4%. If somebody's at 4% already, we are no help. That law will be no help. Um, but we think that'll really be an opportunity. We got county mayors that were two and a half that are going, I could go to four. It's a visitor spend, and a visitor doesn't keep up with that tax. Um, it's it's not relevant in their job, in their in their hotel search or in their their piece. And then make sure you're getting the Airbnbs, the short-term rentals. Short-term rentals last year brought in $60 million of new money in taxes. Um, and, and that was one of the key initiatives we had a couple of years ago with revenue. How do we go chase down, find out how we get those people? They should be paying like every hotel has to pay and charging a, a visitor tax. Visitors can't vote either. So, <laughs> Tom Lawrence has a question for Maureen. Uh, tell us about that little 300 project, 300 acre project out at Carter's Creek Pike called South Hall. Oh yeah, that's going to be incredible. Um, it is, um, it is an absolutely gorgeous, um, and, and I would say brand appropriate project. It is 300 acres, a luxury farm concept. The investment that they have made in um, keeping that agricultural beauty and um, sort of a way that you can consume that experience, I think is going to be magical. 78 rooms, uh, combination of an inn and one and two bedroom cottages. They'll have spa, restaurant, um, a small natural amphitheater. Um, and I, I think it's, it's again, it's going to be a magical thing. And I would just add the that property as an international property. It was so funny. I was talking to Maureen the other day. I said, you know, do you think you could be on our international subcommittee? We're going to be doing some intro. We've never been in Canada for Tennessee. She said, well, I opened Canada for California. And I was like, I'm sorry, could you chair our international committee? <laughs> and that's where Maureen is just this pleasant surprise. You know, I'll ask her about something and then I find out she's done this. But we're in UK, Germany, Australia, um, about to do Canada. One of the things we're doing with the more money that we were given with our airport in, in Nashville, and, and they're not done, but we're going to have more international uh, pieces. One more question, quick. So I, my name is Jana Truman, and I'm a commercial realtor, and I have a passion, actually, for economic development. I've sold buildings on the square in Shelbyville and um, Pulaski, et cetera. I have met with individual economic development um, officers from a lot of the small counties because it's a passion of mine. When they finally can afford to have those people in place, the one thing I'm seeing is that their, um, their marketing materials, because it's usually they have one person, and they don't have access to ESRI data necessarily, and they don't have access to graphic design. I would really love to see them have some sort of a grant, a marketing grant for them as individual economic development people specifically, for them to be able to use some sort of service that the county would, is that something that you've even considered? Yeah, 
And we, and we actually have 20 counties where we are shooting photography for them this fall. We'll do another 20. Uh, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. We are coming in and providing that for them. And our Office of Rural Tourism is working with them on plans that would, would build a sustainable model and be visitor ready. Would love to continue this conversation. We could go another hour, I believe, but uh, we're out of time. And I just want to say thank you to all the people that helped make this happen, especially our commissioner and our CEO of the Visit Franklin, uh, Mark Maureen. We really appreciate y'all taking the time to come and share uh, your stories and, and, and the stories about our own communities. We uh, always learn something from these. The uh, Columbia State, thank you, Dr. Lampley, for hosting us, um, Mary Beth for making us feel welcome. Uh, Creed makes us always look good on WCTV. Thank you, Creed. Lance and uh, Tom, uh, appreciate the uh, pipeline to, to uh, WKM and uh, getting out there. Uh, financial assistance from Vanderbilt University and Lynn Maddox, our contact there and uh, AT&T and uh, Dennis Wagner. Free coffee every Friday morning here from uh, the Good Food Group, the McDonald's franchisee, and many of our communities here in Williamson County. And thank you to the chamber staff, uh, headed up by Matt Cal uh, Warren or Cal McDowell, quarterbacks this effort, and we appreciate the help. I, I need to stay out of the way of scheduling because uh, I've had I think Jeff Long almost here three months in a row, but. Uh, <laughs> Next uh, month, we will be here on the 30th, I believe, and uh, we'll have uh, Commissioner Jeff Long from the, the Department of Safety and Colonel Matt Perry, the uh, uh, leader of our Tennessee Highway Patrol. So look forward to having you all back. Uh, thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Kel. Thank you, Jenna. Uh, all the staff for making us look good. Y'all take care. Have a good good day.